Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Defenders of Grace. Hello, my fellow guard dogs. This is Steve. Brother Bill could not make it again this week because of a certain situation that he has regarding his elderly parents that he's trying to work out so that all things work together for good for those who are called according to God's purpose. He's just trying to make everything work out for good for his parents. But I hope to see him possibly next week, and we should have a good podcast then. I know it'll be an enjoyable podcast, but because my my brother Bill will be back, and we'll be able to share and talk scriptures back and forth to each other, and that's always a a blessed moment. That's spirit-to-spirit fellowship, that's for sure. As 1 John tells us, when you're Doing spirit-to-spirit fellowship, your joy can be complete. You can have complete joy when the Spirit talks to the Spirit. When the Spirit in me talks to the Spirit in Bill and vice versa, it is just too cool because the Spirit says the coolest things where me and with my human vocabulary and ways of saying things just doesn't produce a fraction of the joy that God speaking through me can and a fraction of the wisdom that God speaking through me can produce. He can produce wisdom like no other or kindness like no other. It's all about God. That's what Guardians of Grace is about, is about teaching this new way of life that Paul said He teaches everywhere in every church a way of life in Christ Jesus, not a way of life on the human performance treadmill, a way of life where we wait on the Lord and exchange strength and mount up on eagle's wings because of the power of the Spirit his ability to do for us so exceedingly more than we can do for ourselves is just a a much better covenant to live under. This covenant where God honors what he told the people of the Old Testament he would do back in Jeremiah and Ezekiel where he said, I'll make a new covenant and I will put my spirit in you and cause you to live the exemplary Christian life and you will be able to experience me and be able to see me and see me working and acting and doing the job of God the Father through people. Once you've been turned on to what the new covenant is about, you can literally see God at work in people which is a turn I think Guardians of Grace is ready to make 
a, a term whereby we start looking at all the scriptures that talk about us having the ability to see God and how we see him and how we know that we are there and how we live by faith and not by sight and we look for the unseen, not the seen. How, how do we see the unseen? God teaches us in his epistles how to do that because God teaches us everything we need to know about this new covenant and the ins and outs of this new covenant about relying on the spirit and not taking the burden of the Christian life and putting it on our shoulders, but rightfully placing it on the spirit of God within us and to live by that spirit and to give that spirit the glory it so rightly deserves, which is the essence of the new covenant that we're under. When you try and define this new covenant, you're defining a covenant whereby we rely on the spirit to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And then we give the spirit credit for doing what we couldn't do ourselves and where it rightly belongs. Then, then the truth has come out. We have been practicing the truth, like it says in, in John chapter 3. Those who practice the truth come to the light, so it may be clearly seen that what was done through them was done by God. John 3, 20 and so, so on. I believe here at Guardians of Grace, we are beginning to get a picture of what this new covenant is about and what it looks like and how much it teaches us about our own human nature and the divine nature that has been placed in us when we were born again, which is none other than the spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory, the hope of pleasing your parents or your spouse or the boss or anybody you need to please. Christ in you is the hope of pleasing those people. We are servants of God, but we are servants to the people around us. We're not serving tea to God or anything like that. That's not the picture. The, the picture of a servant of God now is a servant to the people around us on God's behalf. We serve them, and he is the grace or the energy to serve the people around us. It's him serving through us, which makes him the servant of all, which makes him the greatest of all, because he, he said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. Well, he is the servant of all. He just uses us as vessels that he serves through. That's why Paul could say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace wasn't in vain towards me because I labored harder than all the rest, but it wasn't me laboring. It was the grace of God in Paul laboring. He gave credit to the grace of God in him. He gave credit to God in him for doing the labor through him. He knew it was God's power, the power that he received when he received Jesus. That, that's what Jesus said to the disciples. Go to that room that I'm telling you to go 
towards and you will receive power from on high. And they did receive power on high, from on high because they received the Holy Spirit. And that is our power from on high. And so we have been learning here at Guardians of Christ that the Christian life is a life of dependency and giving credit to Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we depend on him. Each time we walk into a room, we say, Lord, you just speak through me. You manifest yourself through me so that everybody can put up with me, and you'll be a pleasure to everybody in the building because it'll be Christ through you who is the pleasure to those people. That is the way of life that Paul taught everywhere in every church, a way of life in Christ Jesus and not in human performance. But with that in mind, I just want to ask you a question about the book of Galatians. Do you know what that book is about? It's basically a one-topic book, and it proclaims and surrounds and builds up support for the one subject. In, in Galatians, I'll say Paul was battling for the Galatians because he had taught them so much about a way of life in Christ Jesus as opposed to a way of life in human performance. And he thought he was literally laboring in vain because they were going back to the idea of human performance again. And so the whole letter was Paul trying to get them back on track. So I believe we will just look at this letter and I'll pull out the, the verses that make it all too obvious what, Jesus, what Paul was talking to the Galatians about. You see, in Galatians 1, 6 through 9, you, you see that he's setting up the letter to, to build a case about the subject he wants it to be on. And... The, to help him in his endeavor to cause the teachings that he taught to take root in the Galatian church. And, and he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. I'm amazed that you're quickly deserting this grace of Christ teaching to go to a different gospel, which really is not in a gospel at all. There, there are some who are disturbing you who want to distort the gospel of Christ, but even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed, anathema, a curse leading to death, a very strong Greek word, let him be anathema, let him be accursed. 
And so I said before, I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel that is contrary to which you have received, let him be accursed. He says it twice. In the gospel that he's trying to defend, he begins to preach about in chapter 2, where after he tells the story about how his Christian brothers, Peter and James and Cephas, were actually shrinking back from this teaching of dependence on Christ back to a lifestyle of creating rules and regulations for yourself all over again, eating rules and dietary rules and things like that. They were starting to go back to those type things. But he says to Peter in chapter 2, maybe starting in verse 5, we are Jews by natures and not sinners from among the Gentile. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through the faith of Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by the faith of Christ Jesus and not by the works of the law, since by works of the law, no human effort will be justified. No human effort will be justified by works of the law. He says we've left that way of life in which we, in our human nature, are trying to be justified by God. But then he goes on to say, but if while seeking to be justified in Christ, there you go, he started off again. If, if we are seeking to be justified in Christ, we are justified in Christ. We don't have to seek to be justified. We don't have to grit our teeth and rededicate ourselves and say, nope, I'm going to do it better this time. But he, he says, if while seeking to be justified in Christ, when you already are justified in Christ, we ourselves also have been found to be sinners, is Christ the minister of sin? May it never be. And then he says, if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Meaning, if I rebuild this Ten Commandment mentality, all it will do is prove that I'm a, a transgressor. So he says, if while seeking, big mistake, don't seek, just be and just be a vessel of God and let him flow through you and knowing that when he's not flowing through you, you're not doing the exemplary job that you could. So you wait on him and depend on him and pray to him to, to manifest through you all day long. That's what we as Christians in the 21st century do. We pray to God saying, manifest yourself through me all day so that I can be the best Christian today that I can be, so that I can live a wonderful Christian day out. I pray to you to live it out through me so it will look the way a Christian life 
is supposed to look. But they went back to, if, if I try to grip my teeth one more time, just try and do what I, you know, the definition of insanity, trying to do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Well, they were saying, if I try one more time, maybe it'll be better, but it only proves that you're a sinner all over again. You know what your human effort produces. Remember Paul saying, I know that in my human nature, no good thing dwells in Romans chapter 7. The willing to do good is there, but the doing of good is not there. It's not in my human nature. I don't do the good that I will to do, not even one single time, but I totally practice the evil that I don't want to do over and over again, Paul says in Romans 7. Well, this is what our human nature produces. That's why the law will just prove us to be a sinner again. Then Paul goes on to say, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I live by the faithfulness of Christ who is in me via the Holy Spirit that I've received, the Holy Spirit that is in me. I live by his faithfulness. This is the new new covenant concept, to live by the power of God and not your determination. And he goes on to say, if I He says, I nullify the grace of God if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. And he goes on in this letter, same letter, chapter 3, he says, Are you so foolish after having begun in the Spirit? Are you now trying to live out the Christian life by your human determination? Who has bewitched you, he says. See, he's writing the letter again to try and stop them from going down the human performance treadmill. He wants them to go back to depending on Christ. That, that's why in chapter 4, maybe starting in, in verse 6, he says, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, we're no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then we're the heir through God. He put His Son in our hearts to live through His power. Then He goes on to say, How is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Why do you go back to those things after you've been set free by the power of the Spirit of God? Why do you go back to them? Why do you start observing days and months and seasons and years? I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. 
that all the time I invested in you was in vain because you're going back to the human performance treadmill, which is what the letter of Galatians is about. Like I said, he goes on in, in say, chapter 5, he says, for freedom, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit for you. Circumcision is like the first step, just try and obey one commandment and be circumcised. Well, that's what puts you back on the human performance treadmill. So if you get back on the human performance treadmill by even starting out with one little selective commandment that you choose, Christ will be of no benefit for you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he's under obligation to keep the whole law and listen to this you have been severed from Christ you who are seeking to be justified by the law you have fallen from grace for we through the spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness the hope of righteousness is none other than Christ in us, the hope of glory. But he says, if you're trying to rebuild that human performance from treadmill, you've been severed from Christ. You've fallen from grace. Not if you go back to the bars and not if you commit adultery, you've been severed from Christ. None of those things. He says, if you go back to trying to be the model Christian, in your own human determination, you've been severed from Christ. Let me say that again. He did not say if you go sinning real bad, you've been severed from Christ. He said if you go back to the human performance treadmill, you have fallen from grace. You're no longer under grace, but you're under the legalistic parameters of the law and your own human strength to keep that law, which you know did not work. That's why they made us a new covenant. And he said, I'll put my spirit in you and you will walk by that covenant. It goes on to say, for in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You were running so well, who hindered you? from obeying the truth. This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. It says, but I have confidence in you, in the Lord, not in your own human determination, but in the Lord that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. I wish that those who were troubling you would even emasculate themselves. Those who are trying to get you off of the new way of life in Christ Jesus using the grace of God, like Paul said, I labored harder than all the rest, but it wasn't me laboring, it was the grace of God in me laboring. You who 
do not depend on the grace of God as the energy to labor harder than all the Christian brothers around you. You use his power to accomplish the Christian life. He says, those who are keeping you from doing that, I wish they would literally emasculate themselves. Cut off their genitals. I, I hate to say it as bluntly as it should be, but Paul said, I, that's what I wish they would do. I, I wish those people who are trying to put you on the performance treadmill would literally emasculate themselves. And then he says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You were called into this freedom, but don't use your freedom as another chance to try to, by your own human effort, do the impossible. He, he says, it's not don't use this freedom to go to the bars and act worse than you ever acted before. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, don't use the freedom as another chance, another chance to live the Christian life through your determination. Depend on God to do it and give God the credit. Act like new covenant believers. Act like believers in Christ who let Christ in them do it for them. It can't be any clearer as to what Paul is trying to tell them. Don't use it as another chance, a chance to rededicate. You, you know how many times you've gone up the aisle to rededicate yourself? That would be using it as another chance for your human nature, which is what it says in Galatians 5.13. Then, then he goes on to say, after he says, don't use it as an opportunity for your human nature, but through love, serve one another. And we know God is love, so through God, serve one another. We are not the source of agape love, only God is the source of agape love. We can phileo love people, we can brotherly love them, but we cannot do this sacrificial agape love. Only God in us can do the agape love. So he, he says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for your human nature to try again, but serve one another through the Spirit's power but I say to you in verse 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of your human nature. Use the Spirit's power to live the Christian life and you will not give in to the desires of your human nature, the debauched desires that your human nature has because it can get pretty dark in your thinking sometimes but walk by the spirit depend on the spirit to get in the ring with the sin guy of Romans 7 where it says sin sprang to life and sin took the opportunity to deceive me and kill me and 
through the law, sin overpowered me. And putting myself under the Ten Commandment mentality and using my own human nature as the, the source of accomplishment, sin pummeled me and made me a prisoner of it all over again. But he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Then it says, the flesh sets itself against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, that you may not do the things which you are pleased, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I'm trying to keep you from being on that human performance treadmill, you Galatians. Like I said, you foolish Galatians, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to try and use your human determination and nature to accomplish the Christian life? I don't want that. I want you to use the Spirit and depend on the Spirit. And so he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under that thing called the law. Now the deeds of your human nature are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, and on and on it goes. He says, that is what your human nature produces. Don't try and live the Christian life in that human nature because this is all it produces. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. Against such things there is no law. So that's what the Spirit in you produces. All the things that you like about yourself and can't seem to get yourself to produce those things. It's because you don't produce them. You never could, you never did, you never will. The Spirit of God produces them. He always did, he always is going to, he always will. The Spirit does for you what you can't do for yourself. That is why God made an entirely new covenant whereby I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will experience my spirit and you will see my spirit from the least to the greatest. You will all know me, experience me. That's one of the definitions for know is experiential knowledge. You'll have an experiential knowledge of me. You'll experience me living through you in this new covenant that I have made. It's a new covenant that we live in, not the same old human performance covenant that I hear preached so much where people just say, you got to do better, you guys, you got to do better. Let me pick a verb and tell you that you have to do better at that verb and you always feel like you don't measure up because you have to do that verb perfectly or it doesn't count and you don't do it perfectly. You just don't. It, we're not under that covenant anymore. Don't allow the preaching that you listen to to 
put you back under that covenant. That's why Paul said, if me or an angel tells you a different gospel than the gospel of Christ in you, the hope of glory or a way of life in Jesus's power that I teach everywhere in every church, let them be anathema. Let them be a curse. Don't listen to those people who put you back under the law in the human performance treadmill where you can look at yourself in the mirror and condemn yourself or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil can condemn you or the law can condemn you or Satan can condemn you while you're looking in the mirror at yourself because you can't measure up. I didn't say you don't measure up. I said you can't measure up. You can't fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. That's why in Romans 8, 4 it says all the righteous requirements of the law will be fully met in us who do not walk according to human effort, but walk according to the Spirit's power. We use the Spirit's power and we give the Spirit's power the credit for what it is doing through us which is making us blossom as Christians. If you want to blossom as a Christian, try depending on the Spirit. I know you've tried your human determination for long enough. You know that that doesn't work. You know that that doesn't work. It doesn't work, you guys. It doesn't work. You know that human determination doesn't work. You've tried and tried and tried and tried again, and you beat yourself up, and you've wondered, why can't I do this? Because I want to so bad. I just want to live righteously, and I never see myself do it. Well, that's because your human nature can't. You have to depend on the Spirit. So I say give the Spirit a try. This is what the letter of Galatians was about. This is why Paul wrote the letter of Galatians so that they would continue giving the Spirit a try and watching the Spirit blossom in their lives and watching their lives blossom and watch them be more pleasing to the people around them. It's done by the Spirit's power. The way to please the people around you is to let Jesus manifest himself. It's what the whole new covenant is about, is Jesus manifesting. He manifests through us, and we wait for him to manifest through us. And when he does, we shine as Christians. And it's all a matter of dependency and prayer and asking God to manifest Jesus in your life. That is what your Christian life is about. Waiting on Jesus to make you shine. And when you don't shine, you press in and say, Lord, Lord, I depend on you. I depend on you. I, my dependency is nowhere else but on you. You are the one that makes me shine. I want to shine. I want to manifest you. I am your vessel. That's what he meant when he said, I go to prepare a vessel for you. And he cleaned the vessels and he made them inhabitable by the Spirit. 
and his spirit lives in you and you are the vessel of God. That's why it, it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you are the temple of God and he lives in you by his spirit? We are this temple. We are this vessel. We are this jar of clay that he uses. Remember, we have these jars of clay that the all-surpassing value of the glory of God may be not of us, but of God in 2 Corinthians. We are the vessel that God uses to do whatever God has planned for Jesus to accomplish in you. That's why in Philippians 1.6 he says, I'm convinced that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of completion. Everything that God has for Jesus to do and for Jesus to accomplish Jesus will accomplish it. And when he is accomplishing accomplishing it through us, then he is manifesting his life through us. And when he is manifesting his life through us, we are experiencing his life. And when we're experiencing him, his life, we are experiencing heaven on earth. Do you remember Romans 14, 17, where it says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's feeling the kingdom of God on earth when you feel that righteousness, peace, and joy that you feel when Christ is manifesting himself through you. It is a new covenant where we wait on the Lord to manifest himself through us. And we wait all day for him to do that. And when he does it, we experience him and the good sensations that come through him and the good results that come through him. Better results than we can humanly produce when he manifests himself. And there are so many scriptures that we need to look at as we turn this corner and begin to learn how to manifest God and that we can manifest God and that the people around us can manifest God and we can literally hear the words of God through the people around us when God is using them to speak to us words of encouragement or kindness or words of wisdom, whatever we need to hear, God is there to tell us what to do through the people around us when he is manifesting himself through us. Where two or three together, there I am in their midst. And I can say awesome things in the midst of the people that I am in, that I am living in. That's why it says, Abide in me and I abide in you. Abide in me means do not abide in human effort. Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit, after beginning by abiding in the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal by abiding in human effort? 
See, abiding in Christ is the opposite of abiding in your own human strength. That in Christ phrase has an unbelievably huge meaning, a very significant meaning. All those passages that say in the Lord and in Christ and in the Spirit, in God, Huge meaning means the opposite of in your human nature. And you do these things in the power of God and not in the power of your own determination. That is what this new covenant is predicated on. It's predicated on the knowledge that we know that we are supposed to depend on God, not ourselves. That's why it says sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace you're under the power of grace the grace that lives inside of you that can cause you to labor harder than all the rest you're free from the power of sin in your human nature when christ is manifesting himself through you you are free from the chains of the sin in your human nature. Remember, Paul said, the law is spiritual, but I am human, sold into bondage to sin. I'm in bondage to sin in my human nature. Well, you're free from that when the Spirit of God is manifesting itself through you. That's why Paul wanted the Galatians to learn about the idea of staying in the new covenant, in the new covenant parameters whereby we rely on the power of God and we give God the glory for what God is doing through us and that's what stores us up treasures in heaven see there's a judicial system to this new covenant you give God the glory for what he's doing through you and that stores you up rewards on the day of the great white throne judgment where all our works are burned up and they either burn as wood hay and stubble or they refine as gold and costly jewelry. It's all according to what sort of work it was, whether it was God as the source of that work or us as the source of that good deed. That's why Paul in, in Colossians could say, I hope that you would bear fruit in every good work, meaning you can do good works but if they come from the human nature, it bears no fruit. Abide in me and I abide in you and you will bear fruit. The works that I do through you are the works that bear fruit. Is it all beginning to make sense? Is this Bible in this New Testament beginning to make sense? Is there a picture that's forming to you that's becoming clearer and clearer as we do these podcasts and Bible studies. I pray to God that it is. I pray to God that it is. I pray to God that you can learn one thing from this podcast and that the book of Galatians is about 
battling against human performance. If you can just always say to yourself, Galatian is the book battling human performance. Paul is trying to keep us off the human performance treadmill. If I can just get you to understand that one simple statement about what the book of Galatians is about, then you can read it for yourself and you'll understand it. If you know that it's about trying to get people off the performance treadmill, then it'll come alive to you. It'll all of a sudden show meaning that it never showed before in phrases and statements and sentences that made no sense at all will all of a sudden make perfect sense. So my prayer to you, Father, is that you would root and establish us in just that one thought that Galatians is battling against human performance because Paul did not want them trying to please God in their own humanity. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the spirit is life and peace, for the mind of the flesh does not subject itself to the laws of God, nor is it able to do so. The mind of the flesh, the human nature, the mind of the human nature can not please God. That's Romans 8, 6, and 7. But Lord, allow them to understand that that's why Paul was writing the book of Galatians and trying to get them off the human performance treadmill. Father, allow them to understand because the mind of the human nature cannot please God, even though it tried with all its might. All its might, it tries, but it can't please God, Father, and allow the people that listen to this podcast get a revelation that it takes the Spirit of God. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. He is pleased when the Son manifests Himself through you. That is what is well-pleasing to God, when the Son manifests Himself through you. So, Lord, please cause them to realize this idea. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. And I thank you guys for listening to this. This I need to get these thoughts out. They, they get bottled up inside of me and... I just need to release them. It's, it's such good revelation that I can't hold it in. I've got to let the good news out. So thank you for listening to me. We love you and wish you a good night. In Jesus' name, amen.